Welcome to Homestead Gardening in the Texas Gulf Coast with Kristen Howard. In last week's episode, we talked about spring pruning and caring for roses. It's always important to remember those once-a-year chores that you dread but feel so good about after you do them. But today's episode is a little different. Today we're going to talk about how to use color in a designed landscape. As a landscape designer, I work with architecture, people, and plants to create a harmony between them. Most of my clients come to me wanting a specific style of landscape design, but have no idea how to achieve it or if they even can. Knowing how to apply the principles of design is the key to making a style work. Some design principles that you need to know about include unity, balance, rhythm, texture, proportion, lines, and of course, color. Instead of being overwhelmed with learning the principles of design all at once and how to apply them effectively, it's easier to start with one principle, master it, and then add in the next principle to start honing your skills. I find color to be the most exciting principle of design to work with, and I can learn a lot about a person by asking them to show me inspiration photos of the landscape designs that they like looking at. This is because color can evoke feelings. Most people don't know why they like looking at something, but they can tell me how they feel when they look at it. So let's talk about color in your garden and in your designed landscape. In gardens, most often than not, we create a hodgepodge of color because we're trying to incorporate as many plants as possible for that short season that they bloom in. This garden may be a cut flower garden or a vegetable garden, and usually it's not part of a designed landscape, but instead it's a separate plot designated for this hodgepodge. Typically we also impulse buy these plants or flowers because we're also buying them from seed really far in advance, and this makes it unlikely that we're gonna have a cohesive connection with our color choices, especially when we mix seasons in the same bed area. Often if we're just creating cut flower beds or blooms appear in the garden for our edible plants, we aren't looking for the designed color as it grows, but in a later stage, such as the arrangement in a vase. But color and how you use it can create a feel, a mood, an experience that becomes more powerful when you add the use of color to the other design principles I mentioned earlier. And in front yards and other design landscape areas around a home, which colors you choose to use becomes more important because design landscape usually functions to enhance architecture around a home or building, pathways, pools, outdoor living areas, and so on. We experience landscape from multiple viewpoints, either inside a building or outdoors. We experience the landscape far away or close up. We experience the landscape in different lighting throughout the day and throughout the different seasons. What I've learned as a landscape designer is that when it comes to color, you have to have very specific goals in mind in order to use color correctly. I used to ask clients which colors they liked and disliked and crossed my fingers that their preferences fit with the rest of their goals. Unfortunately, this is the completely wrong approach to selecting color. You don't design to use a color. You design for a bigger goal and use color to achieve that goal. Now I ask my clients first for broad goals, and then I explain which colors we will likely find with the plants that fit the client's goals and the location that they're in, and then ask for further input from there. Later in this episode, I'll give you some examples of common goals people have for their homes and how these goals translate into design. To get the most from this episode, I suggest you listen once through, then create a goal list for your yard and specific areas in your yard, 
and then listen to the episode a second time to design for these goals. In the episode, I'm also going to talk about complementing colors and hues, but I'll be explaining and describing how color can be used to evoke emotions too, such as sadness, cheerfulness, and excitement. I'll tell you how to use color to make a bold statement or as a focal point. I'll explain how to use greens appropriately in the landscape and how to backdrop your brighter color. Landscape design is art, horticulture, and architecture rolled into one. So you may hear some mention of horticulture plants, architecture styles, and other design elements that should enhance your understanding of how to use color, but we won't be going into depth on any topic since I'm not a professor or here to lecture you. Connecting artistic color and landscape plants. When we talk about colors in general on a color wheel, we are talking about color hue. We have primary colors of red, blue, and yellow. We have secondary colors of orange, violet, and green. We have tertiary colors between all of these primary and secondary colors, like yellow-orange, red-orange, red-violet, blue-violet, blue-green, and yellow-green. When you tell someone a color that you like, it's usually on the typical color wheel encompassing one of these colors. In general, we can say we have a favorite color or range of colors. Perhaps more cool colors appeal to us or more warm colors. Sometimes we like to see all colors, but let's be honest, there's a time and place for each, and that's the trick to designing effectively with color in the landscape. Some plants will have a tint of one of these color hues, which means we have some white added to our color wheel colors. The result is more muted color that's softer, possibly evoking a calm feeling when it's viewed. You may also find that these tinted colors occur at a certain time of year or in a shadier location than others. When you hear someone talk about color and fashion, you tend to hear color referred to in seasons, and you can draw from these fashion seasonal color combinations to understanding landscape colors because these fashion choices were inspired by landscape and plants. Tinted flower color and foliage can be found in cooler spring or at the end of winter. Your pastel colors are really popular at this time of year. Outside of the spring season, you may find these colors, but it's more likely you're going to find them in a shadier location. For me, the connection of these colors and feeling cool or cold is very noticeable, so the connection in the landscape is similar for me. The plants will grow or be found in cooler parts of the season or in a cooler location in a landscape during a warmer time of year. Tone occurs when gray is added to one of our hue colors. Tone reduces the intensity of a color. This is a dulling effect. Toning of a color is more likely to happen at the end of fall and into winter for some plants as foliage begins to go dormant but remains on the plant. Toned color may make you feel sad or sluggish when you see it. Landscape plants that are toned or can tone seasonally should not be used as a focal point because we don't want to call attention to these negative feelings that can be produced, but also tone colors tend to fade back. Instead, you can use these colors as a backdrop. Natural and native plants tend to tone easily before they lose their leaves, or the color of the backdrop of a natural environment in winter overall tends to have a color tone. This toning effect going into winter does affect moods, but you can also effectively utilize a toned background to your advantage and add a focal point that contrasts the dreary setting. Shade occurs when black is added to one of our hue colors. Shade darkens the color. Do not be confused during the next few sentences when I talk about shade because I'm referring to shade color and not plants growing in the shade. Very confusing. 
Shade, unlike tone, does not necessarily give off a dulling effect or produce a sadness in how you experience this color in the landscape. Color shade can be a powerful tool, and you should use color shade as a tool at all times. It can create a very strong backdrop. It creates depth. It can be used as a focal point instead, but only if a strong contrast is behind this dark shade color so the focal point can be appreciated. This is incredibly difficult to achieve, so I recommend shade color being used first to create depth and backdrop for another plant if you are new to designing with color. Shade color can be found year-round in evergreen and older growth plants, but this is harder to find in spring from my experience because almost all plants like to put out bright green new growth in spring. So you wanna consider this if you're designing for a particular season. Color in foliage. Did you know that foliage color isn't just an ordinary green? In fact, plants may show off gray silvers in their foliage, blue greens, dark greens, yellow greens, bright limes, yellows, a variation of creamy white and green splotches, yellow and green splotches, maroon, and sometimes foliage offers gradation featuring dark red to peach to yellow, just in a single leaf or even in several leaves that cascade down the branch. Almost every color on the color wheel can be found in foliage on one plant or another if you're looking for it. Maybe not blue, but almost blue. Utilizing foliage as a color in your design landscape is critical to the magic of the design and pulling together your ideas. Colorful foliage can backdrop, stand out, buffer, and help set the mood you're going for. Cooler greens, especially those with added white, can create a lush look, a calmer feel, a cooling effect. Warmer greens or foliage in the warm family can create an energizing effect, a wild look, excitement, and even hit home the idea that it's really darn hot outside. Before you start thinking about flowers to enhance a landscape, I want you to list all of the foliage colors available to you on a sheet of paper, and next to each, I want you to write down what emotion you feel when you see these colors. It's easiest to look at a swatch of this color when you do this, so feel free to use the internet or paint swatches to help you out. After you write down each emotion next to the color, make a note of which emotion you'd like to feel in which area of your yard that you're trying to design instead of which color you want to see in your yard. You may notice that you want to feel more calm or peaceful when looking from your office window, but more energized and excited when you're in the backyard. For those of you that want to do this now, I'll list the foliage colors again for you to write down and pair them with a paint swatch from Sherman Williams that matches what you might see in the landscape. Are you ready? Gray Silver. For this color, look at SW6519 Hinting Blue. Blue Green. For this color, look at SW6486 Reflecting Pool. Dark Green. For this color, look at SW6475 Country Squire. Yellow-green. For this color, look at SW6425 Relentless Olive. Bright Lime. For this color, look at SW6921 Electric Lime. Yellow. For this color, look at SW6908 Fun Yellow. Creamy variegation is going to look a lot like a blur of mint from far away. So for this color, look at SW9036 Retro Mint. Maroon. Look at SW6300 Burgundy. For the rest of the foliage colors I mentioned, I'll be honest, 
you're going to have several swatches that you're going to have to combine to make this work. But this a list that I've already given you is going to give you a really good foundation. After this exercise, I'd love to hear from you and find out what about each color evoked an emotion from you and what colors you want to experience in the landscape because of this or what you learned about yourself. Reach out on Instagram at turnyourheadandscoff and let me know what you discovered. Native plants for seasonal color. Did you know that a lot of native plants are considered weeds? Most actually entertain a specific season to flower and produce food for local wildlife, especially wildlife that migrates. In Houston specifically, we can see four distinct seasons from our native vegetation as it flowers, fruits, and changes. I joke that Houston's four seasons are spring, summer, second summer, and fall. This is mostly true. In other parts of the country that have cooler weather climates, our spring native perennial flowers occur three to six months later in their summers. Texas has many native plants that are not perennial, but it's the perennial flowers, which are sometimes referred to as weeds, that can be an interesting addition to a landscape depending on how you use them. Now, native plants are aggressive and scrappy, so I personally leave my native perennial flowers in the yard and not in my landscape beds where they may be a little too comfortable. But I had the opportunity with these plants to see the landscape change colors according to the season. What I've noticed is the natural landscape loves contrast and complementing colors. Complementary colors on a color wheel are the colors found across from each other. Using these colors together is usually very pleasing. If you use native plants for seasonal color, you can expect to find very bright yellows in all shapes and sizes in early spring. And in Houston, this will start mid-February and continue through March, usually into April as well, until it becomes very warm. Yellows in the native landscape include dandelions, agarita, carolina jessamine, and a ton of other plants deemed weeds with the cutest little yellow flowers that I cannot bring myself to mow down. You will also see purples, yellows complement. Purples in the native landscape include betony, henbit, and lyrely sage, among many others. Whites in the native landscape may include alyssum, dewberry, clover, and wild native plum. The theme of spring for natives tends to be a combination of bright saturated colors that energizes you to get out and explore, and yet subdued calming colors at the same time, a very wonderful combination. In summer, you may find amaranth, which can come in a boring green or may have red foliage or touches of red in the leaves or stems. Commercial varieties may have other interesting features in the heads of those seed spires, such as love lies bleeding, which has showy red grain stems or other varieties that have more of a magenta streak on the leaves. And I'm personally growing a grain amaranth this year with a showy golden mustard grain stem. All of these colors are very fitting with the heat of summer. Not exactly bright and cheery, but just a little baked looking with the warm undertones. You will also find more medium yellow-green foliage in summer because most of your native plants are starting to lose their spring youthfulness. Greg's Miss Flower, Salvias, Lantana, and Vitex all have flower clusters instead of large blooms to beat the heat and still show off. Peppers are starting to show off their fruit too. Bigger flowers from canna lilies or members of the hibiscus family are also making a bold statement. In fall, expect to see a few bright spots popping up like purple berries from Beautyberry, which are incredibly striking for their first week and slowly dull as they ripen, which really makes you feel winter come on as they dull. You will also see all of your hollies showing off red berries. 
Yope on Holly, Pyracantha are great examples of this. You can see winter coming on as the foliage drops leaves or begins to tone, but you're also given some excitement with those pops of berry colors. Adding to and enhancing native plants is a great option if you have these plants as your backdrop. If you know what to naturally expect from your surroundings, then you can easily work with the natural environment and look forward to it instead of fight it. Oh, it does help that you can save a lot of money in the process. Annual plants for individual seasons. Annual plants that you buy from the store to enhance your landscape at seasonal times of year are not what I usually think about using when I talk about adding color to the landscape. Annual plants are usually flowers offered at their peak performance time period, and they only last a few months. If you're lucky, these plants may last up to six months before the season changes and the flowers in the entire plant dies. When you're using annual flowers to add color, it's very difficult to enhance your landscape because the colors are usually very saturated and bold. They are meant to stand out and attract attention. This is a very good value if you're trying to attract a buyer to your business or sell your home or draw attention away from a less pleasant looking part of your yard. But usually people are using these flowers to fix an ugly yard or an incomplete design. These plants, like the cut flower garden or vegetable garden, usually fall into that visual hodgepodge or impulse buy category. But without a proper backdrop for this bright, bold color, you may spend a lot of money just to fall short of your goal. I recommend applying the same principles of designing with color that I introduce you to in this episode when you're buying annual plants and think of them as a temporary enhancement to the big picture instead of the only part of the picture we can see. The trends for annual color by season feels very much like the native trends. It's very difficult to get striking annuals for winter and you more or less have the options of bright yellow and purple from pansies and violas, white from alyssum, more purples or silvers from cabbage, kale, dusty miller, and perhaps some pinks from snapdragons and dianthus. There are also transition seasons for annuals, where you will find extremely short-lived selections, but usually these are more interesting or bold selections, which is probably why you buy them. Petunias, for example, are a punch to the face of pink, and they are a really popular choice in March as we transition from late winter to summer heat pretty rapidly. Impatience, Verbena, Marigold, Calendula, Begonia can all be found starting in March in Houston. Some of the transition color may be perennials or more rare cut flower options that are more expensive or more difficult to find and should honestly be planted in late fall to flower at the right time of year in spring, and those will be mentioned later on. Then, as the heat becomes a guarantee, moving quickly through spring into May, you'll find easy access to warmer options that will last you a bit longer, such as vinca, zinnia, sweet potato vine, salvia, coneflower, and black-eyed susan, purslane, portulaca, pentas, heather, lantana, coleus, celosia. Our purple and yellow options remain strong with all of these plants, but we add whites and a wide variety of pinks to the mix. Some reds may be an option for seasonal color, but pinks, purples, yellows, and whites are the most common colors to find. You can also find some bold limes with foliage colors from annuals as well. Moving into fall, we begin to reverse our annual selections list and availability as the season cools. Keeping most of our summer flowers still going, you can begin to add in some of the cooler season plants mentioned earlier, especially those that need to overwinter for the best flowers. Late summer and early fall is also when you can add wildflower seeds to your garden. They will germinate in late summer or early fall, depending on rain and shade conditions, then grow foliage all fall and winter and flower in early spring. Delphinium, 
Fox Club and Hollyhock are examples that can be started from seed or purchased as plants, but these are mostly biennials, meaning that it may take two years before they flower, even if you plant them as plants in the fall. It may be easier to start these seeds indoors and move them to the garden this time of year or buy them as plants so that your fall leaves do not cover tiny seedlings trying to pop up in your garden. These biennial plants tend to have pastel colors that a cut flower garden is known for in spring. You also have an opportunity to get a lot of blues and purples and interesting unique colors in the landscape that you can't find other times of year. If you are a current or former client listening to this podcast, email me and I will send you a spreadsheet of annual color selections. I include in the spreadsheet the time of year to buy annuals so you can plan your garden better and resist that impulse buy. Those buy one, get one free deals at the end of the season get the best of all of us. So resist the urge if you don't have a greenhouse. Styles of landscape and common color themes. To better understand how color translates to design, it's easy to discuss styles of landscape design. When I talk about these styles, think about the architecture associated with these styles. The climates these architectural styles are originally from the culture in these areas, the resources that are available, and other design principles that might be associated with these styles so you can better understand how the color selection of plants assists these styles. Zen, Asian, tranquil style landscape design. The feel of these areas is supposed to be obviously very tranquil, but the design appears to be rambling and a little bit chaotic with lots of textural color and different plant materials used. This style leans heavily on all design principles to achieve the goal and is incredibly difficult to do. This is because Asian Zen tranquility is in the careful placement of each element of the design and not the elements themselves, although those are important too. The style uses all types of warm and cool greens. Rocks are usually used in a mix of beiges and grays. Maroon foliage, pink flowers, whites, and even bright greens pushing a yellow color are used as well. Focal points are key to the success of this design. To achieve a focal point with so much happening in a design takes a careful use of backdrop color to be successful. Shaded color backdrops are very successful for this. Additionally, areas for privacy that still allow views out into the garden are important so you can take in small views or an entire view. Screening to make sure the area feels private as a whole is important as well. And then you must have an experience as you walk around and discover elements on an individual level and as a whole. This makes every single element added to the design require purpose. This garden also tends to have seasonal interest and areas are left bare when the plant is not in season. It's important that in these designs, you have a lack of color in this way, and you can't fill the empty area with annual plants to fill the void. Let your eye rest from color too. Modern Southwest Desert Landscape Design Modern design tends to be similar to Austin, Texas design, and in California and some areas of Arizona, you're going to see these other styles too. This style works with desert climates and is more difficult to translate to coastal climates of the Gulf Coast where we have too much water, poor drainage along with a high water table, and a lot of humidity. But this style includes lots of spiky textures, which I refer to as a grass-like texture, and color options for this texture includes brown, green, blue-green, and yellow-green for most of the time. 
The spiky grass texture is more important than the colors themselves. Same with the other plant selections, which will have defined shapes and won't offer a lot of movement to the design. Very firm, rigid textures are going to be used here. Texture is the more important design principle than color here. All of the color selections for these types of plants are very similar to what was already mentioned, but you may have accents within your selections of red, orange, yellow, or strong pink. Placement of elements really differentiates the styles of modern, southwest, desert, or other similar styles that use these types of plants. Therefore, line or rhythm are design principles that are also more important than color for the style, but you must create the right feel with the placement to achieve the style. All of these styles use focal points to their advantage, and not every plant in the design is special, even if the design style has a lot of space between plants, making each appear to be individual. The plant palette tends to be evergreen, meaning that they do not lose their leaves in these designs. In these styles of garden and around this architecture, I personally feel very businesslike, like there's no time to be wasted, and I cannot relax with so many aggressive textures. Some calming effects can be designed into this, though, through the use of rhythm and spacing or massing plants of the same type. English Garden and Country Landscape Design These are really similar to me in the way the design is done, the textures, and the colors used. I think of English Garden Design as a sweet, rambling garden with a lot of perennials and herbs, but still a little wild. A country garden is similar to this, but maybe a bit more wild, and mixed with evergreen plants to manage the seasonal changes in a different climate or manage the critters you usually find in the country that you have to combat. Walking in this garden should make you feel youthful, where you're able to let your hair down and discover new things in the garden every day. This garden takes a lot of work to achieve the style from season to season because it includes a lot of perennials that have to be maintained to make room for the next season while the first are still growing. Colors for English garden design is softer pinks, peaches, pastels, purples, whites, and cool to medium greens. Focal points aren't that important, and organization is not that important for the style either. The style fits better with a climate that has a long spring or cooler climate. Houston, for example, struggles with this design style because we have such warm weather that it's not possible to have the exact same look as an English style garden. We make a lot of compromises to have similar plant textures and colors, we also have to get ready for the summer heat. French estate, French formal, and traditional landscape design. Although the plant selection and colors may be similar to those used in English garden styles, the key difference is the arrangement of plantings. These landscapes are highly manicured and have a mixture of control and chaos, but mostly control. For example, a French formal or estate style that most people are gonna be thinking about includes parterre gardens with boxwood hedges, boxwood topiaries, and maybe something in the center that's a little bit more wild like lavender or upright cut roses for that controlled chaos center. This style mimics the colors of English and country gardens to some extent, but softer colors are used and a simplified color palette is used as well. Maybe only purples or whites or even a soft pink is used with different types of greens, but usually cooler greens. Whereas the traditional style is going to be using darker shades of green in addition and layering a lot of greens and whites. They may add color to the design, but not likely bold reds or oranges will be used. Traditional style homes also tend to be tree covered, so planting options become limited at this point. 
but the cooler color palette still prevails. This design is more effective on large landscapes where your view can go for a long distance to or from the home to view the landscape. You should feel willing to explore, but comfortable staying put and viewing where you stand because everything in these designs should be easily seen from far away views. There's no need for closer inspection. Mass plantings and lines achieve this easily. Tuscan, Mediterranean, and Spanish style landscaping. I combine Tuscan and Mediterranean styles along with Spanish, and let's throw in Xeriscape too, because all are a bit arid coastal with a lush element to them at the same time. We use plants from some of the previously mentioned styles in these designs as well. These styles use some bright colors like reds and yellows, but also cool colors in foliage like silver and blue greens. Warm medium greens are used with these styles, which actually makes things very difficult as the greens seem to be toned and faded to the backdrop. A lot of homes associated with these styles use stucco, natural stone, or clay tiles and accents, and these warm colors are also toned, making the task doubly challenging with so many drab backdrops to work with. The key to these designs is to use color as possible, but create more purpose with the plant selections themselves. You can attempt to add shade color as backdrops, which will help break up the color of the architecture backdrop and the toned medium green of many of the plants used for the style. These designs tend to have edible and fragrant plants worked into the style, which happens to flower and offer color to the design instead of the other way around where we add color to enhance the design. These designs are more of a sensory experience and an opportunity to appreciate the architecture instead of the landscape. Because a lot of edible elements are added in, items like lemons are going to still produce a bold color pop at that time of year that they are fruiting. From a distance, the challenge of these designs will be to create depth and interest within the plant palette appropriate for the design. Tropical Landscape Design it's time to bring out the color and all the excitement that should go with it. Tropical styles are bold in every way. The textures of the foliage are large enough to have their own personality and interest and usually come in bright greens or colors. Flowering colors are usually punchy and bold, dark pinks, reds, oranges, anything that's going to remind you of a sunset over the ocean. And this style belongs as close to the ocean as possible. Most plants that fit a tropical design are not adapted to any climate but their own. An adaption of the tropical style is probably a Mediterranean style for the Houston area. The feeling of a tropical landscape can change from a shady area to a sunny area too. Because tropical landscape plants can have some cooler greens in the foliage, you can create more calming, relaxing areas near patios and seating areas and more energy along pathways as you wind around to your destination. The rhythm and line of this style tends to be winding with a jungle feel, although you can also design with cleaner curves and cleaner linear lines for a more resort feel. For a resort feel, deeper beds and more massing of plants and layers are required to achieve this goal. Common goals and how to translate them. Now, hopefully this episode gave you some insight into yourself and what you like to see. So let's work on your goal list. What are you actually wanting to achieve with your landscape design? Are you highlighting architecture, meaning that the building colors are influencing your design color choices? Are you creating an experience? Perhaps you want to evoke emotion. What kind? Refer back to the color exercise we did with the greens and paint swatches to learn more about yourself and how you want to use areas of your yard. 
Are you designing for a particular time of year? Perhaps you have an event planned every year in late spring and want the landscape showing off at this time. Does your style work well for this? Does your location work well for this? Are you willing to compromise on a style to achieve your goal? Will you need to settle with using annual color to fill the gaps that your style can't offer at this time of year? Are you looking for year-round color? Let me tell you a secret, everyone is, and it's a tough goal to meet, but completely possible if you are really flexible on what colors will pop up when and where. Take a harder look at our green foliage exercise with the paint swatches and discover some year-round color options in your greens instead of in flowers. Do you find color distracting? In other words, are you the rare person that prefers a sea of greens and maybe some white? This is completely possible if you play with the tones, shades, and tints that greens have to offer, and even variegations some foliage has, which means a white is streaked through the leaves. Consider leaving flowerless areas in some places to give your eye a break. When I work with couples, sometimes only one person loves flowers and bright colors, and the other doesn't like that look at all. Find out who views which part of your yard, when and where, and then design for that person in that area. Are you looking for low maintenance and low water use? For this, textural limitations should be noted, but this isn't an episode on landscape texture, although I have mentioned it here and there lightly. You will find that smaller leaves, warmer colors in both foliage and flowers, and summer blooms are the key to achieving this look in Texas specifically. If you do not like warm colors, this goal can still be achieved, but it's more challenging because your options are extremely limited depending on where you live in Texas. For example, low maintenance and low water use goals do not work well in Houston because plants that fit the low water goal do not tolerate Houston's high water table and frequent natural rainfall. At the same time, most of Houston is not tropical enough for large textures the tropical plants have to offer even though we have the water to support these plants. And yet, Houston is still too hot in summers to have a lot of larger textures found on the East Coast, so be prepared for a few compromises to make sure your goal is realistic. Look into adapted plants. Our climate in Houston is similar to Asian climates, and Asian varieties of plants work well here. That doesn't mean you have to have the Asian Zen style. We can work these plants into a lot of different styles. I get some flack for saying that we can use Asian plants here because Asian plants tend to also be invasive, but that's only because they work really well here. Are you wanting to use native plants? If so, be prepared for the bleak winter look as these plants lose leaves or tone with the season. But native plants are truly the most low maintenance option if you're willing to work with the environment instead of fight it. And those are just a few examples of common broad goals. Most people are looking for smaller goals for their front and backyards. In the front yard, most homeowners don't see their own yard, but they want the yard to look good for their neighbors, guests, and for resale. If this is you, think about accenting the architecture of your home, creating focal points or high contrast to attract the eye. The color of your home and materials used should be very important and considered. If you want to see landscape from your front yard looking out, perhaps from a front office, you can create focal points viewing out of the home and into the home, which is dual purpose. The trick then will be to make sure that you don't cover up your home with too much plant material when you're viewing from the street. Having an easy view to the front door is important to new home buyers that aren't familiar with the neighborhood yet. Having an open view to your home offers a perceived level of safety as well. In the backyard, most people want to solve problems, and their goal list looks more like this. Screen the neighbors, create shade in large sunny areas, accent the pool, accent the patio, break up the fence line, but you can do better than this. A backyard is an opportunity for experience that are on a more personal level. 
unless of course you really do need to screen the neighbors. You can meet all of these screening and shading and accenting goals and still create feeling and interest in the design that you create and through the color you use. In my own yard, I design for year-round color with low maintenance that leans towards a Texas country style with native and adapted plants. I do not like to water my plants because I prefer plants that work with seasonal rainfall. I make a lot of compromises to meet these goals. I use colors I don't really prefer, but I appreciate that the plants will flower with little effort or bloom at transitional times of year between seasons. I let weeds grow for a couple weeks before mowing because as I mentioned, weeds are usually seasonal native perennials or even medicinal plants with culinary uses, and they will always bloom quickly, usually with a bloom color fitting for their season. I sacrifice a well-maintained yard most of the time because I don't want to miss a color opportunity from these free native plants. When I decide to trim or maintain a plant, it's based on the year-round color goal because even the bright spring foliage color on my evergreen shrub is dramatic and exceptional and I don't want to miss out by trimming it until the display is completed. There is a right and wrong way to design with color, but at the end of the day, you are designing for yourself and your goals, whatever those may be. I want to thank you for learning with me today. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And I hope that you've become inspired to start planning your design. Don't forget to re-listen to this episode after you have a chance to make a goal list and explore color options and design styles that interest you or work with the architecture of your home. This week's podcast is separate from the sister YouTube episode, but you can see my personal goals of year-round color and how I experience and see color on my Instagram at TurnYourHeadAndScoff. If you have any other questions, keep in mind, I do a complimentary Q&A on Fridays exclusively on my Instagram account. Q&A Fridays are a great opportunity for basic questions or clarifications on topics from past podcasts or YouTube episodes, and your question and answers are shared with other followers. If you need more in-depth consultations for your garden, I offer phone consultations, on-site property consultations, and landscape design and site planning design services. You can visit my website at prolandscapedesign.com to learn about services and options available.